So the uh, other morning, about a week and a half ago, I sat down at our kitchen table, and I got a new Bible. And if you know me, which many of you do, there's nothing I like more than a new Bible, even when I don't need a new Bible. I love the smell of a new Bible, the feel of a new Bible. And, you know, the Bibles that you get on these things just don't have that same feeling. You know what I'm talking about? It's something about the leather, the printed pages. And I don't like the pleather Bibles, you know, the not real leather. I want the real thing. And so I sat down and, and I, I was in a really good, a pretty good mood. And I sat down with this Bible and, and I opened it up and I said, well, where am I going to start in this new Bible? And I decided Psalms, Psalm. You know, it's Psalm, uh, that bothers me because there's many of them and I want it to be Psalms. And so I opened it up and I was kind of reading through and I saw first and second Psalm and, and then I saw the title to uh, third Psalm and it said, Confidence in Times of Trouble. I thought, oh, pretty sure this is where I'm supposed to start because I have, you know, recently just been bearing some trouble in my heart and in my spirit. And I thought, well, I think there was a reason that I came upon that. So that was where my devotion started. And so I thought, uh, as Dad asked me today to, to preach, I said, well, what, what do I uh, pick to preach on? I thought, well, no better thing to preach to someone than the thing that you're preaching to yourself. And so that's what I want to talk to you to, today about. A message I call, can I trust him with my trouble? And, and so I just want you to gather around this coffee table or this table with me just as if we're sitting in my kitchen and I want to share this message that I taught myself and maybe it'll bring you some encouragement. Can I trust him with my trouble? Do you have confidence in God during troubled times? And truly, do you have confidence in him during those troubled times? Are were you like me as I read some of the first parts of Psalm 3, which we'll read together in a minute? Does the scripture seem filled with promises? They're kind of vague and sometimes unfulfilled. It seems like they were meant for someone else, someone with different type of faith, maybe stronger than yours. Do you compare your faith sometimes when you read those scriptures and say, oh, well, that's, that's for people with greater faith bigger, stronger faith. And when I first read in Psalm 3, I thought, you know, how in the world can David be so confident and so strong in his faith? As I started flipping through Psalm, because there's many of them, I realized, you know, David really wasn't as confident as he may seem in Psalm 3. And I found out he is a wonderful bipolar example of who we are about our faith in God. And it gave me hope as I pulled up to my table that morning because I felt terrible because when I read Confidence in Time of Trouble, I told the Lord that morning, I don't know if I believe in the words you and I are about to read together that I really trust him with my trouble. But I have hope and we're going to talk about that this morning. So I want you to picture your trouble. What is it? Every one of you came this morning with some kind of trouble. Every one of you. So we're going to hold it in our hands. We're going to put it on that table together. 
And we're going to compare and contrast, not to see whose is harder or worse, but rather to say, this is where I'm hurting. This is where I need to place my trust. Help me do that. Let's put it on the table and let's, let's do what I call practice trust together. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you, first of all, that you hear the prayers of the unrighteous and that you call us righteous because of the blood of your Son. So I ask that you would enlighten us for a moment, help me to say things that would be from you, that would help us to live differently because of what we see here. We truly want to be different. We want to love you in everything we say, think, and do. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, let's turn to the scripture that I was talking about. Psalm 3, 1 to 8 says this, which is the whole psalm. It says, Lord, how my foes increase. There are many who attack me. Many say about me, there is no help for him in God. But you, Lord, are a shield around me. And I stopped right there. And I asked myself, hmm, do I feel that way? My glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cry aloud to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. And I stopped. Which, by the way, is interesting because if you look in your Bible, it probably has the word Selah right there, which often or is often thought to mean what? Pause. I stopped, but my stop wasn't to rest and to think of the wonderful promise. I questioned the promise. Are you answering me, Lord? He answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not be afraid of thousands of people who have taken their stand against me on every side. Rise up, Lord. Save me, my God. You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Salvation belongs to the Lord. May your blessing be on your people. Rest. As I sat there, for probably 10 minutes over and over reading and saying, how could he have such confidence in such words in that trouble? And I thought, well, what was he hiding from? David, what, what, what were the foes he was talking about? And I said, well, let's look up the background. And so the background that we looked up was that he was hiding and his foe was very personal. He was hiding and afraid of his own son. This was a soap opera. This was a drama. I think sometimes we read in the scripture, at least I know I do, and think, well, it doesn't relate because it doesn't, it's not as personal as we are going through. We just think, oh yeah, David had enemies. And we just think of swords and shields and, and those kind of things. This was very personal. Here's the drama. You want to know the drama? The drama was this. It's a soap opera. David was running from his son, Absalom. David's son, Amnon, raped Absalom's sister, Tamar. Absalom murders Amnon. Absalom is restored to David, but it wasn't good enough. So Absalom revolts, and Absalom hunts down David. It's a soap opera, but it's very personal. His foe was his own child. So I think that really spoke to me. And I said, oh, so David really gets it. This isn't just 
an impersonal attack that he's going through. When we're hurting with our trouble, it is very deep. It is very personal. And God understands that. And he gives us an example in David here. Now, I want to read you something that I was very troubled by when it was talking about Absalom. No man, and this is just trust me in 2 Samuel, in all Israel was as handsome. And I drew this example and I thought, I'm very much like Absalom. <laughs> no man in all Israel was as handsome and highly praised as Absalom from the sole of his foot to the top of his head. And see, so I'm really drawing conclusions and making this really relate to me personally. He did not have a single flaw. And now listen, now listen to this. When he shaved his head, he shaved it at the end of every year because his hair got so heavy for him that he had to shave it off. He would weigh the hair from his head and it would weigh five pounds according to the royal standard. That has nothing to do with this message, but except for seriously, <laughs> five pounds of hair a year, and I can't get five ounces in a year. So nonetheless, this was a very personal thing. So I wanted to look at with you, we know the background, why David was really upset, what he was hiding from, who his enemies were, because Absalom was getting an army together and they were increasing. And I want to run through with you the things that he says there that God was doing for him. And I want you to think about your trouble and I want you to see what God is doing or will do for you. And the first thing is, is that God shields us. But I want to admit that when we are in prolonged times of trouble, we ask ourselves, is God truly shielding us or not? I wonder that sometimes. Because I think about the arrows that have snuck through, it seems, and have gotten me. And I think, God, where were you? Have you shielded? But I think about the song that we just sang that says, but Lord, you see what we cannot see. And the thought that crossed my mind that morning was this. How many arrows has God protected you from that you will never know that were aimed towards you? You have been protected more than you can ever know. God is continually saving and protecting you and shielding you. You know... God shield us also from what we can't handle. Sometimes I think I'd like to know. Like, when, when does this end? I, I want to know the, the big picture. When does it end? But what I realize is that this is bigger than I can handle when I take my trouble. You think about it. There's a bigger picture at stake, and what I was reminded of is that do you know the Christian life and what's going on with you and me is not all about us? That God has a bigger plan? And when we said to him, I will follow you, we said I will take up my cross daily, we said I'm in it for the battle along with you. This is bigger than us. This isn't about our circumstantial comfort. 
But God is shielding us from what we can't handle. If we knew everything that was going to happen to us from now to the end of our life, I think it's very likely we'd want to crawl in a hole and never come out of that hole. And I think that's a conversation that, Jay, you and I had the other day. That I said, I just wish I knew the battle that was ahead of me. And she said, no, you don't want to know that. Because God will prepare you for that at the right time. So God is shielding you for what you can't handle. And then I want to tell you too, that God is shielding you from what you can't comprehend. The other thing that I have to remind myself and remind you is that we're in a battle that's not of just flesh and blood. We, I think, as Baptists and Protestants, but especially Baptists, don't like to think about demons and things along that nature. We want to be very concrete. That's kind of too weird and mystical. But folks, there is spiritual battle that is going on. And God shields us from things that we mentally cannot comprehend. And so when I say to God in that moment around that table, Lord, have you shielded me? He answered me and said, yes, I'm shielding you from things that you can't even grasp. You don't know what I've shielded you from because you couldn't even understand it. And so the answer is yes, God shields you. God shields you in your trouble. So in your past, God has shielded you, so he will shield you. The second thing I saw that I really questioned was, has God answered me? Or is God answering me? Times of prolonged trouble, I, man, I wonder if I can hear God's voice. Have you ever felt that way? That's a rhetorical question, but I know every one of you can, can shake your head yes. I thought, well, why? Because I always tend to err, and I hope you do too, that if I question God, I recognize it's because of something I didn't do right. I know he is an infallible God. But I want to know what it is. I'm seeking the answer. And I thought, well, maybe it's this, because God's answers fall on deaf ears. Our sinner's ears are so clogged, we cannot hear the voice of God. Because here's the truth. If we were perfectly right with God, we would hear God perfectly every time. Isn't that true? And so God is answering. He is constantly speaking. We are just not in perfect fellowship with him. Now, I'm going to tell you this. God doesn't always answer the way we want him to answer. And those of you who are older than me, wouldn't we say with age we can say that God most commonly answers in a way that we don't expect or even want? The answer we want is not commonly the answer that we get. So God does answer us, but he answers us also in a way that we don't want to listen to. It seems to me that when I want a loud scream from God saying, Brian, do this. It's a still, quiet voice that I hear. But if I want the opposite, it's the other. It's a booming command. And I'm, and I'm like, but I don't want a booming command. I want the comforting God at the moment. But yet he's commanding me in my trouble. I know you're in trouble, but you need to do this. And I'm like, but Lord, I don't want to do this right now. Because this hurts too much right now. But God is answering. God is answering. 
So yes, you can trust him with your trouble. I was hurting one morning. Driving to uh, church and I was listening to this beautiful song. You may not know this, but I love music. And uh, there's so many good songs that I could use as an example. Uh, but it's a song called Even If by Mercy Me, and it's talking about answering. And, um, you know, God could answer any request we have in the way we want at any moment and solve any problem or trouble just like that, couldn't he? But that's his choice. And we have to trust him to do what he wants is right and in his timing. But this song says this, and the one part that I really, <laughs> it hurts, but it's true. I know you're able and I know you can save through the fire with your mighty hand. But even if you don't, my hope is you alone. I know the sorrow and I know the hurt would all go away. Listen to this. If you just say the word, but even if you don't, my hope is in you alone. You see, God has the power with a word to accomplish any task that we want him to. So he is an all-powerful God that, yes, it is hard to grasp that when you're hurting and you call upon his name to say, why can't you take this pain from me today with one single word and he doesn't? We question him. Yes, we do. We ask him. But if he's that powerful, that all-knowing, then I still will say my hope is in him alone because he knows best. That's hard to say, though. The next thing I saw that David was able to say seemingly with confidence is that God sustains us. I thought, okay, has God sustained me in trouble? Has God sustained me in trouble? Think with me. You're back with your trouble. You've got the trouble that I invited you to grab in your hand. Has God sustained you with that trouble? Sometimes I think it's simple things we forget sustenance we look for blessing so often but fail to see sustenance and in the verse that we see in Psalm 3 5 it talks about that it says I lie down and sleep awake again because the Lord sustains me we're looking for blessing we want new things we want the pain to all go away the trouble to be banished to be over but sometimes it is just a blessing that God sustains us with a night's rest and a new day and I was reminded of that and I thought of that verse as I was around that table and it said but joy comes in and I thought How wrong of me to ask for more than what God had already given. 
This is personal. To ask God to take anything from my shoulders is asking too much when he has taken everything from me. I think David thought that sometimes too because he was a man of God. But I'm so thankful that there are good nights of rest that come amidst your trouble, aren't you? Haven't you had good nights of rest in the midst of trouble? And I don't know what it is that's in your mind. And you thought, I don't know how in the world I slept last night. How in the world did I do it? In the midst of your trouble, I don't know how. Sometimes I wake up and I have a fresh look of a new day. But haven't you had those in the middle of your trouble? And you say, man, by the grace of God, I woke up this morning ready to take on a new day. Folks, that is God the Father sustaining you to battle another day. And I look at many of your faces. We have known each other for many, many years. Probably we could all... I can name a trouble or a trial that each one of you have gone through. A job search, death in the family, other family troubles. But somehow you're still sitting here worshiping, serving. God has sustained you for another day. Maybe not in the circumstantial comfort that you had hoped for, but he has sustained you. And I'll move forward quickly. And the last thing I saw, you know, it says towards the end that salvation belongs to the Lord. And we know that. And, and I know that that is in reference to salvation eternally. But I do believe that that is also referencing to the salvation of our issue, our problem, our hurt. And I do believe that God saves us from our trouble while we're here on earth. I don't believe that every trouble that you go through is not going to be taken care of until you die and go to heaven. I do believe there's victory over troubles here and now today. And I believe both are a reference. And that's the toughest one to look at for me. It's like, because you want to ask the question when. But here's what I want to tell you about God's salvation. And I had a neat little picture about this. And I'm going to have to get new glasses. I'm not doing this for visual effect. I really just can't see. Um, it says, salvation belongs to the Lord. It says, rise up, O oh Lord, save me, God. You strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. Here's what I thought about. You know, I think the Lord sees us struggle. But I think he's like... The large father, I don't know why I see a John Wayne kind of figure. <laughs> he sits over and he watches, but he can only watch for so long. And he hears us say, rise up. And if you look through the psalm, you'll notice that David uses that term continually, rise up. But I see this 
Don't get me wrong, I'm not writing a book that calls God John Wayne. But he sits there calmly in the corner, and I think at some point he says, enough. And he stands up from his chair at 6, 7, or whatever John Wayne was. And he walks over, and he looks at the enemy, and notice what it says. He says, you strike all my enemies on the cheek. You break the teeth of the wicked. This isn't a slap on the hand. This is a mighty blow that breaks the teeth, that leaves the dog without teeth. It means it's a dog that's all bark and no bite. It is an ultimate and final salvation. So your enemies, they may bark, they may scream, they may say all kinds of things, but they will have no teeth that can inflict no damage because our God will rise up and he will say enough is enough. But God will save you. And the other thing is, He will save you from eternal from your trouble, and it will be eternal. I can't promise you, I can't promise me that all the circumstances work out the way we want. But Heather and I's favorite verse in the Bible is John 16:33. It says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. This was Jesus speaking to the disciples. You will have suffering in this world. Folks, we're promised. Life is tough. But listen to this, be courageous for I have conquered the world. So God saves us. But at the very end of that, and I'm almost done, but I want you to hear, this is, this is what I really want you to hear. But at the very end of that morning, I felt guilty because I said, I, I don't know that I believe what I just read, Lord. And I flipped over to Psalm 6 for some reason, and this is how Psalm 6 started. Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Do not discipline me in your wrath. This is David. Be gracious to me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are shaking. My whole being is shaking with terror. And you, Lord, how long? Turn, Lord, rescue me, save me because of your faithful love. For there is no remembrance of you in death. Who can thank you in Sheol? I'm weary from my groaning with tears and I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My eyes are swollen from grief. They grow old because of my enemies. David is practicing his trust. It's not that he is a man of perfect trust. It's the same man that wrote that confident Psalm 3 that just three chapters later said, but Lord, I am shaken to the bones and weary from my crying because I don't know if you're really going to do what I just said you were going to do for me in Psalm 3. And I said, that's me. And somewhere on my way back to Psalm 3, 
I stopped in the middle at Psalm 5. Right in the middle there, I saw this. But in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. I want you to hear that again. Because this is going to be a prescription I'm going to leave you with about trusting him with your trouble. Because this is a prescription that I prescribe myself. In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you and I watch expectantly. You see, David, the reason he was such a spiritual giant in these times of trouble was not because he was a man of perfect faith. It's because he was very good at practicing faith. Just kind of like a really good doctor. Doctors aren't perfect. They just have a very good practice, don't they? So here's what I'd say. When you ask yourself this question, can I trust him with my trouble? I want to remind you of this. God will shield you. Why? Because he has. God will answer you. God will sustain you. God will save you. Because God has shielded you. God has answered you. God has sustained you. And God has saved you. And when you don't trust in those things, God will forgive you. Because God has forgiven you. You get to start the process all over again, reminding yourself that God will shield you. God will answer you. God will sustain you. God will save you because God has shielded you. God has answered you. God has sustained you and God has saved you. God is faithful even when you don't see it or feel it. And the prescription is when you wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, I don't know if I can trust. Wake up in the morning, plead your case, and watch expectantly. Wake up in the morning, plead your case, and watch expectantly. So my prayer for you this morning as we leave is this. That when we or you or us are on fallen knee due to broken heart, you cry out to God that you can sincerely pray this prayer. I'm free from the terror by night or the arrows by day. You, O Lord, are my strength. I'm free come disaster or threat. You are my defense. You are my shield. Lord in heaven, I thank you so much for your word, which gives us hope. Oh, and it brings us peace, Lord. 
Help us to consider what we've just heard from your word and help it to mean something to our lives and help us to live differently because of it. As we approach a time of... We've set aside to make decisions, Lord. I ask that you'd speak to our hearts. No doubt we've gathered with trouble. And our doubts mount along with our foes so many times. But help us to increase our faith and to believe that you are a shield around us. We love you and it's in your name we pray. Amen.
us are here today, and God is watching, and we've recognized that God has been involved in our life, and we've proclaimed our witness to heaven that God is there covering us, and God says he's going to be there to cover us, and to cover us. Thank you, Brian, for the wonderful message.